Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm KJ. You know the drill. We're back here once again to remind you about the benefits of the Dunlap Champions Club. If you haven't sampled it still, well, find one of your friends or somebody that has. Uh, you know, the spring game in the rearview mirror. Certainly uh, some other folks got an opportunity in there to enjoy what is uh, just terrific space. Every now and then when you're hanging out in the Dunlap Champions Club, an MC Hammer concert breaks out, too, so you never know what you're going to get. And if you haven't had the opportunity to even be there, you can schedule a private tour. Just call 850-644-1830. Tickets are available. It's a, it's a home schedule that uh, you'll enjoy visiting there, and particularly if we get any of those noon, noon kickoffs, you'll be air-conditioned and ready to go. Well, that is a good point. I just, in general, I didn't want to have a noon kickoff conversation, but I get your point. And the home schedule, of course, includes Miami, NC State, Louisville, Syracuse, uh, whatever it is, 644-1830, the number to call or, or, or go online, seminoles.com uh, slash tickets, and check out the Dunlap Champions Club. And we really like them because they allow us to then put this on the podcast, and it's without commercial interruption. Is that how we say it? This being Front Row Knowles. Take it away. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ coming back your way. Keith, how are you, sir? I'm great. I, I thought this was supposed to be the doldrums, and we just keep getting more and better news and news and news. It's always a bonus when the baseball team extends its season as just about as late as you can. They get to Omaha. That makes June a little easier. Correct. There's been a lot, though, going on. It, it really hasn't slowed down, and part of that is just that uh, across the board, Florida State has had great success. But uh, you also had a baseball coaching transition. Which which added to more talk, and now we have former basketball stars at FSU that are doing big kinda, things kinda at the do, NBA level, kind of doing things that are a little bit out of the ordinary. But hats off to Terrence Mann and to to, to Fee, uh, and then you keep reading about Bacon in uh, in um, some of the things he's doing. Malik Beasley out in Denver. I mean, we, we're getting a little bit of a contingent at the twenty four second game. Kamaji has put up some numbers in the summer double league double as well. last time out. Exactly. So let's go back. You follow the basketball team all the time. For those who don't know, and if you're listening to this show, you probably do, but Terrence Mann has lit it up for the Clippers. He was the second-round pick, 48th overall. We talked about Cabin Gailey as a first-round pick, but Mann is the guy who's opening eyes, which is not to say Cabin Gailey hasn't played well. He's played well, too. Did you think he, Terrence Mann, as you watched him over the last four years, was a guaranteed NBA player? uh, No, I did not, only because they are so good at that level. And we've seen so many kids come through the Florida State program that you would put at the same level leaving FSU, and some made it well in, at the NBA level and others didn't. You think of Sura and Charlie Ward, uh, Tony Douglas. And, those, those are all first-round pick guys. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then, you know, George McLeod, and then you get an Al Thornton who, who, who really blossomed when he was at FSU. Uh, Vaughn Wafer, who, who was kind of a – a uh, one-off at FSU, but nevertheless could shoot the ball from 22 feet pretty pretty good. But but the Terrence Manns of the world are the stories well, that you want to focus on. Well, my point on. is, now coach, the, the FSU coaches would, would say that they knew he was going to do this. And we had Dennis Gates on, not surprised at all. He figured he'd right. be drafted. Interestingly, Dennis Gates, if you look back, he had tweeted something a month or two ago. He went out and worked with the Clippers as some sort of, for lack of a better term, a coaching internship or worked a clinic. So you have Sam Cassell there, and Dennis Gates was there like two months ago or six weeks ago, sometime leading up to the draft. And then lo and behold, the Clippers draft 
two guys from FSU, and, and oh, by the way, they can both play. So the point I'm making is I don't think that the average FSU fan or even the average FSU media member would have expected that Terrence Mann would do what he's done in summer league ball. Now, folks, if you don't follow summer league NBA basketball, good for you. <laughs> first of all, first and foremost. You've got a life. You've got a life. Congratulations. Uh, but secondly, so you take guys. This is not the – you know, LeBron James is not playing summer league. Uh, but the, but Dwayne Bacon is, so a guy who's going to come into his own for Charlotte this year. But Terrence Mann has played really well, and his numbers are – it's the same thing he did at FSU. It's points, rebounds, blocks, steals, a little bit of everything, assists. And, and by the way, the reason we are bringing this up, if you haven't heard, is though he was drafted in the second round, and, and generally speaking, second-round picks in the NBA get nice contracts from us working person's perspective, but they're not guaranteed. Well, Terrence Mann just signed a four-year contract with the Clippers at a little over $6 million total, and the first two years are guaranteed. The fact that those first two years are guaranteed speaks to how highly the Clippers think as an organization think of Terrence. Fee has not signed his contract yet, but he is a first-round pick. His will be for four years, two, maybe three. He might have. He might have signed his, though. I didn't see terms. I, I didn't see it was, but but uh, and obviously the the dollar amount will be uh, somewhat greater. Uh, but hats off to Terrence for, and, and and what a great um, what, what's the word I'm looking for a stamp on what it means to to come to school, work hard, get your degree prove yourself, and then get rewarded for it. It's just great to see the good guys win, and and Terrence is one of them. Yeah, so congratulations to Terrence. And, you know, his numbers, I said that it's a little bit of everything, but in the NBA game, you know, there's a a lesser shot clock. It's a faster-paced game. You play more minutes. So, you know, all of a sudden, 8 and 6 becomes – you know, 12, 12 and 9. Yeah, or 12 and 9. And the numbers look even better. But he's he's a guy that, you know, he's never going to be your frontline guy, but good for him. And side note, just to their success – the Clippers were the biggest movers and shakers in the in the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes, but we've never talked NBA at this length, and I'm not a big NBA guy. But I will say this. I will be watching the Clippers next year in light of the fact that FSU's got some guys that are going to factor into that uh, somehow. Exactly. And then I might even pick up a Charlotte or a Denver game every now and then. And, and if Kevin Gailey or of uh, – uh, Chris uh, ends up Kamaji. Kamaji rather ends up somewhere. I might I might watch them occasionally. Yeah, Kamaji's going to get some money too at his size. And Dwayne Bacon is they they do see him as as potentially the next face of of Charlotte right now after a couple of years. All right, we're done with NBA. We don't know much about it. Don't watch a lot of it. Just told you everything we know. Quite frankly, there's not enough hours in the day for me. And normally, I start watching about the conference semifinals is when I'll watch the NBA. Uh, maybe on Christmas Day. Because I'm usually looking look, for something. I'll turn you, in occasionally to see how many threes Curry made. I mean, has he made 37 in a game yeah. yet? I don't know. It's probably going to happen. Congratulations to to Terrence Mann and to the, and to Kevin Gailey and the FSU coaching staff for turning over those those rocks to to find those guys. Uh, good good players and good future ahead. All right. So what else on the on the uh, FSU front? We are one week amazingly from ACC kickoff. Uh, it, it, you know, we talk about how the summer and the summer doldrums, but my, it starts getting faster as we get older. I, I feel like the doldrums come in. We always talk about June, July being the doldrums. To me, the doldrums come in in the next six weeks when you get a taste of football at these media days. And then it goes away. Then again. you come back and you're excited and you do the math and you realize there's still five and a half weeks till till toe meets leather. Well, to, except uh, for the fact that, that with Florida State opening, quote, unquote, in August – then camp is going to start. I haven't done the math on the well, week. It's still August 31st, though. I hear what you're saying. It's still a long haul. 
Still long haul. I'll reasonably agree with you. How about that? Have you gotten any more optimistic about what the season may look like? Well, yeah. I mean, I think we all do. I mean, the age-old thing that we're all undefeated and we're all going to play for the national championship at this time of year. Um, I do think that – Keith Jones predicts FSU in the national championship. There you go. I heard that. Uh, along with Boise State and, and Oregon. Uh, anyway, uh, it's just human nature. And, you know, if you're an FSU person, you're you're wanting to project that. You know, we've talked about that for years and years and years. You're You're trying to will it to come into being. I do think that it's been interesting with some of the stories that have been published over the last three, four, five weeks uh, about the turmoil and how dysfunctional the program was uh, in the last year or two of Jimbo's reign and and what Willie uh, inherited. The naysayers will use that as an excuse. Those that are positive will say, well, see, that's why last year was so bad. The bottom line of all of it, as we've been, is the theme of our show. We we will. I love Willie. I, I like the staff. Obviously, we love the, the bottom kids, line. Is the but proof you got to win? Pudding. You got to win. The pudding. Yeah, he knows that. And 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 exactly, Josie. He doesn't shy away from that. But but that is the bottom line. <coughs> Pardon me. And so, if this team, you know, goes five and seven again next year, then then the uh, naysayers will be louder, and those of us that are supporting will be less likely to support. Uh, if this team wins eight, maybe nine games, we'll say, all right, that was the trough. We're, we're, the trajectory's good. We're headed in the right direction. And we'll have some folks jump back on the bandwagon. Did you see ESPN's FPI came out where they break? What, 24, 21, what was it? Well, that was the ranking, but they go through game by yeah, game. 8.1 games? No, no, no. The projected record was 10 and 2. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I read another one that said 8.1 games was the projected that might have, number of wins. That, yeah, this one was a, a 10 and 2. Wow. With that would losses be a, to Clemson in Florida. That, that, well, if, if, I, if you, if you, if you can, can sign up right now, if you, you're going to sign up for that one? Ink. In fact, give me a pen. I'll prick my finger. I'll sign it in blood. The best thing about that is I was going through and looking at the computation. Well, 10 and 2 is 10 and 2. But it was, I forget what game Clemson is, week six or week seven. So you actually start off five or six and oh, which that to me is the biggest thing about this season that hasn't happened in several years, really since 2015. Because 2016, you had the Ole Miss game and then went off the rails. It was September when Louisville won 1,012 to six or whatever the final score was. And then in 2017, you lose Francois and you lose the Alabama game. And then you lose to NC State. You're 0-2 in September. And then last year, Monday night. So nobody has any reason to be excited two weeks into the season. So when I saw that projection, and and even separate that projection, I mean, we know who the opponents are. You're going to win week two. Are you going to beat Boise and Virginia? Are you going to get to 3-0 and as Louisville and NC State come to town? Could you get to October and be 5-0? and That's a best case, but that would help. It won't make up a 20,000 uh quantity deficit in season ticket sales based on the reports about but it would help because everybody is in this wait and see mode and if you come out and you look good and there's reason to get excited people will buy some more tickets well and and what that means is that instead of the walk-up being two thousand the walk-up might be twelve thousand so you might get half of those back at least yeah, a game at a time think, i don't know i think one of the the big problems is the secondary market i mean the that's not all of it the numbers are down for all the reasons that people have pointed out but one of them is why should i pay face for season tickets when i know there's people trying to get rid of their tickets online and i can pay five bucks by the way i read an article uh, monday i think it was talking about clemson clemson has spent right at a hundred million dollars 
from like uh, 2006, 2007 until 2018 on upgrades to Memorial Stadium, right at $100 million. And over the last three years, their average attendance is down 4,000. Now, it's a little bit larger stadium, seats 82. Is that just on Memorial Stadium, or does that include their IPF? And Well, it, part, of, part of it was, uh, i.e., was it football spending or stadium spending? It, it, they, the article listed it as stadium spending. I do know that that end zone included some things. Right. But the point being, they're still down almost 4,000 in attendance over a three-year period, and that, that includes two national championships. Right. It is happening to everybody. If we had that magic wand or that Alexa or something, uh, we could make a lot of money because there's some ADs and, and booster folks that would love to have it. Yeah, I, I don't know what the magic wand is for it, given how good the home experience is. We can we can develop this theme throughout the show. Everybody knows this, though. I mean, there's no line for the bathroom. You're sitting in the AC. you got an 80-inch plasma screen in front of you. The you angles have a, you are have better. You an 80-inch? No. Uh, my, how, how come I don't get My view from the sideline is usually peering around a photographer and maybe between the photographer and the offensive line coach looking at field level. Not a great angle. And, the, and then I turn and, the and red I watch shirt, the video. And board. the red shirt offensive lineman that just has a jersey on and a pair of shorts. Right, right. That, that's my normal <laughs> view of the game. It's not on an 80-inch uh, plasma screen. Do you know, by the way, you mentioned the national championship game. Do you know where that is this year for football? I have it in front of me. I could look it up, but it might take me a while. Well, don't, don't look. Don't cheat. Do you know? I do not. And I didn't either, which speaks to where Florida State is. Because a few years ago, we would be able to recite it. We knew it. what the bowls were. <laughs> Uh, so I was over in New Orleans over 4th of July and extended family member. Let me think about this. It's my brother-in-law's brother-in-law. He's married to my sister-in-law's sister, whatever that is. <laughs> he works for the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation is the moral of the story. So he and I always bond and talk sports. So he sits down and he says, uh, he immediately begins the conversation. New Orleans is hosting the national championship game right. here on January right. 13th. All He's right. heavily all involved. All right. All right. It's the longest gap ever between the semifinal round because those, I think, are not on New Year's Day. They're before it this year. Anyway, I didn't even know that. It's news to me. He's involved. That's where it is. Point is, it'd be a good year to be in that conversation. Florida State has some work to do before we get back to that conversation, though. I would agree. Do you know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow would be Thursday. It would be July 11th. And uh, other than that, no. All right. So July 11, 7 What do you think of when you think of 7 Slurpees. There you go. Tomorrow is National Slurpee Day. There you go. That was right. How on about cue. that? So there is no 7 Eleven in our area. No. So guess who has come to the rescue? I would say someone around Madison Avenue. Yeah, well, you got it. Madison Social there has come go. to the rescue. Uh, they are serving booze, blue raspberry Slurpees all day long tomorrow on National Slurpee Day. Boo-O-O-S or boo-O-O-Z? Uh, well, neither. B-O-O-Z-E. Ah! <laughs> just just to set the record straight. Uh, I, I imagine you could probably take it without the booze. If you just want a blue raspberry Slurpee, go to Madison Social. That makes my mouth and my tongue a different color. and I look like I'm three years old. Um, I'm just going to stop and we're going to go to break and we'll come back and continue this show after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. 
We are back on Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you. And we talked a lot of L.A. Clipper basketball, given Terrence Mann and Fiondu Cavangeli in the first segment. We're going to go to baseball, which was the hot topic through the month of uh, May and into June. And then it continued as we open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Obviously, transition time for Florida State. We're pleased to bring to the program the head coach of the Florida State baseball team, and that is Mike Martin, Jr. Meet, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Tom. Just uh, running crazy. It's been a whirlwind, to say the least. Well, I know it's been a whirlwind. We gave you a couple weeks of breathing room because you were doing the car wash with which all with all the media. So, you know, have you changed the business cards yet? How much has your daily life changed at this point, given you're no longer the assistant, you're the man? Yeah, it, it hasn't changed. Uh, as soon as the press conference was over, I went to Fort Myers, Fort Myers to Auburndale, and then back to Fort Myers, and then the trip from hell from fort myers to atlanta and uh it's uh i'm back in my element though you know i enjoy going out and watching kids and uh camaraderie with other recruiters and coaches and um but i am back in town now trying to get some things tied uh tied down and get my guys hired and get them out on the road has dad cleaned out his office yet that's a negative (laughs) just just went upstairs about the an hour ago no he has not <laughs> you mentioned uh, your guys obviously they they um assistants are not official uh when that is news is released you'll be the the happiest of all of us but uh for our listeners that maybe didn't pick up on the um press conference or some of the things you said what are the qualities what's the background you're looking for in your assistants that you're going to bring on board yeah i want guys that uh that hustle uh, guys that get it and understand that um you know, college world series is uh, very addicting, and we want to make sure we, our guys understand that. Uh, we're going to push every day to be the best program in the country, and you know, guys that bring positive energy and uh, obviously the knowledge and work ethic and all that good stuff. But guys that really want to be here, and um, you know, I'm, I'm really feeling good about them really wanting to be here. And you work a little harder when it means a little more, and you know, that's the plan. How much have things changed when you're having, and I don't even know, I don't know enough about the rules meet when you're out at these tournaments. You mentioned Fort Myers and Auburndale and Atlanta. If you're just watching or if you can make contact right now, but uh, the basic premise is now that there's not uncertainty, now that it's it's a known deal that you're the head coach, are the conversations easier? Do the eyes open a little wider? Is it easier to sell Florida State because there's there's not that uncertain future? Well, it, it yes, it definitely has helped. Um but now it's the okay. Well, who's the pitching coach, and who's you know, and that that's why I'm back to try to nudge along, you know, HR to get this stuff going and get them processed because um, I really think you'll see. In fact, I shouldn't say I think you will see a deluge of kids committing to us uh, once these guys are announced. And. What is your primary focus? I mean, these are all-age kids, I guess. So, really, I mean, you're looking at kids that are three and four years down the line. But in terms of immediate needs, you know, I know you lost some ground because I heard you may have been talking with Jeff Cameron that, you know, for one of the years you're going to have to go the JUCO route to to plug in some holes just because, you you know, you're not where you want to be. So kind of give us a an overarching view at the next couple of years of classes, where you're in good shape, where you're maybe a little behind. Yeah, um, you know, the 21 class, we're in good shape. The 20s, yes, we are behind. and. At this point, there's not a you know whole lot of you know talent left. Um, every now and again, somebody will decommit, but that's pretty rare in our game. Um, but you know, as far as the other you know the younger pups, yeah, I'm I'm starting to get you know a lot of uh, you know good vibes from them. And uh, again, once these hires are 
named and official, and then we'll really start cranking and banking. How much has the draft process, you know, the changes to the draft process over the last few years, I guess when I say the changes to the draft process, you know, there used to be a time when once the kid went to the first class in August, then he had to stay at the school. But now there's a deadline every year, and I know that we're up against it. Um, you know, how much has that changed? And, and, and coupled with that and some of the salary structures, and I don't know enough about the nuances of it, the, the big leagues, are, the major league teams are taking a higher percentage of guys that have come through college than at a high school. So kind of how has that world changed in the last five or ten years? Yeah, it's um, the deadline is Friday at five. Uh, it falls this year, and um, that is a good thing because back in the days you would go all the way up until the first day of classes in the fall semester, and that was a nightmare. So um, they did put the deadline to it. But I think the, the pro people are realizing that, you know, the natural maturation process is for kids to go to college, you know, learn to be on their own for the first time. And they're doing it in an environment that is a lot more conducive to, you know, not being thrown into the fire. I mean, you go into professional baseball as an 18 year old, you're thrown in there with, you know, grown men and, um, you know, they don't have the support and the, you know, psychological help and all those things that we can provide. They're just thrown in there and you're eating, you know, on your meal money and, you don't know learn how to eat. You don't learn how to train. You don't. You know it's, it's a man's world, and uh, you better be ready for it. Speaking of, of the kids, quote unquote, uh, there are a number of your your incoming people that are in the summer school. Is that correct? Can you can you comment correct. on them or talk about them now? Yes, yes, we're we're fine now. So, is there anybody that's that's up against the deadline that you're worried about losing still, or is the hay in the barn and you know who's gone and who's in? Yeah, I lost. We lost two, um, but that was done a while back. So. Um, you know, we won't be able to replace them, which is, but again, two in, in our world isn't bad at all. You can, you can make that work. So, um, it wasn't like that one year we lost seven or eight, whatever it was. And, um, you know, it's no fun, but, uh, the 12 we've got in right now, are the freshmen, the junior college guys, there'll be four of them and one grad transfer. Uh, they'll be coming in later, but, uh, our summer program, you know, working with our strength and conditioning guys and knocking out a couple of courses, the success rate of our all student athletes, for that matter, because everybody brings them in now. Uh, it, it's it really helps. You know, there's not many kids are on campus. They get acclimated. They get in a routine. They see how it works. And uh, when the fall comes around, and you know, whatever jumps to forty two thousand students, they're ready for it. It seemed like, and I've never charted it, but when I saw the release go out about where uh, current team members are, are playing this summer. Seems like you got a high number of guys in the Cape, which is where you want to have them, I presume. Is it is it higher than normal? And, and who's there right now? No, that's a, that's about right. Is it? Um, I think you know CJ and Connor were listed, um, but they're not. You know the high uh, innings totals that they had. They're they're not throwing up there. I think they're listed, but it's about about normal. Normally you have around five. Okay. Um, you know they generally don't like to take freshmen unless they're you know high profile guys. But um, you know, so if you got five or so up there, that's a, that's a good number. Was CJ? It surprised me, and maybe you just answered this by talking about the high number of innings he pitched. I thought he might be a candidate to to, to be invited to the to uh, to the national camp at all. Was there conversations about that, or was he just yeah. not quite at the level? Yeah, that, I mean, he still may. Um, again, those guys that they'd like to get some time off. We all like for him to get some time off and he may jump on with them uh, you know if they do need somebody to you know a couple starts or what have you but um all in all like we tell them you're going to get out of the summer what you put into it whether you're playing or not you know how you're 
you know, taking care of yourself and working out and uh, what, getting ahead in the classroom, you know, things along those lines. Uh, I, I can promise you, the guys that aren't playing, they're still getting better. Meet from an infrastructure standpoint, you talked at the press conference about changing some things since then. Uh, obviously, we've learned that uh, the colonel's going to stay with you from uh, the, the, the basketball operations standpoint. What are some of your immediate needs that you want to try to work on into the fall and into the next season? Yeah, I want to have a, not a full-time, it's almost impossible, but uh, Gershon Tannenbaum here on campus is um, you know renowned sports psychiatrist and um, it's almost like his GAs, if you will. Um, I want them around. Uh, I want them involved in the program and having you know, mandatory meetings with whether small groups, whether it's um, you know individualized. Uh, I want to incorporate them into the program. Uh, you know, the academic side. We're going to you know travel with them. Uh, the academic people. I want them to jump on the birds with us and take advantage of all the dead time and free time there is on the road when we go and play at different places. Um, but again, the, the whole infrastructure, the core principles and foundations of the program are, are set and they're laid. And there ain't no way I'm changing any of that as far as how we go about our business and all that good stuff. But, um, you know, we got the third coach got shut down. I don't know if y'all know that. NCAA, we had a big vote on it. That, that was university. good. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, Meet. I'm sorry to jump in, but I presume you're on board with – you're sorry that it got shut down and you were in favor of a third full-time paid yeah, assistant. Yeah, that was a that was a weird deal, and um, it's a shame because, you know, our player our, you know, to coach ratio is by far the worst in NCAA sports. And even if we got a third paid coach, we're still the worst coach-to-player ratio. And, um, again, it goes back to money, I'm afraid. Um, but – and I think a lot of schools didn't understand that you don't have to pay that coach. We call it a GA, call it another volunteer, whatever. Um, but anyway, it got voted down. It'll come back. I do feel good about eventually in the next couple of years, um, you know, it getting passed because it's definitely needed. All right, let's get to the important stuff, Meet. You spend your whole summer on the road at these tournaments. What's the best hot dog? out of Auburndale, Atlanta, Fort Myers, and wherever else you go. I mean, like, what's the concession stand? If I'm just driving through thinking, hey, there's there's a baseball game going on over there, maybe I'll stop and grab lunch. Where should I stop? Yeah, Auburndale is your, is your spot. Auburndale. The Rednecks, the, the country folks make the, make the best. I think they semi-fry it and then throw it in there, but um, that, that's my number one spot. You know, the irony of this is, as you explained at the press conference, your nickname Meat because you, you've never had meat on your bones. And I, and, and so you, you're literally, your diet is hot dogs and hamburgers for two months every summer, and you still haven't gained a damn pound, have you? Uh, I know, I know. It's for lack of sleep and chasing college kids around. That, that keeps you light on your feet. But, yeah, that, that summer grind is uh, it's real, and there's a lot of guys. Well, I, I, I have another important question. <clears throat> I have another important question. You may not have decided this yet, but are are you going to still coach third? Yes, I will. I'll still coach third. But are we still never going to know what your jersey number is because you wear your windbreaker? Well, I already promised it to a twenty-two grad, so he's number four, and I said you can have it, pal. I don't ever wear a jersey anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So <laughs> good, good call, coach. Good, good call. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not into the numbers thing. Do you the answer to this question for this year may be uh, that you're not going to be able to slow down because it's your first year as as the new man. But when it, when is the downtime in the college baseball world? Is it is it August right before school starts? You know, between the summer and fall semester. When is there any? 
No, it's it's once you sign them in November. We sign them the second Wednesday in November, and then basically you have you know another week and then finals, and then you, if you can make it to Thanksgiving, you're golden because from Thanksgiving you know through January or not through, but up until January, whenever you know the kids come back to school, that's your time off. So we we get that month of December, and uh, that's when it's really good to be a baseball coach. You mentioned the third assistant. You know, outside of that. You know, having just been to Omaha, I mean, you you, you obviously have been there plenty of times, and, and you're familiar with the sport. What What's the biggest pressing issues that college baseball needs to be battling right now, whether it's length of game or just product in general? I mean, where, what do you see as your concerns for growing the game? Uh, well, you've well, you opened it up now. I'm going to get on a soapbox. I'm All right, stand all on it. up with it. It's stand- called Institutional Financial Aid, and it's real. Um, basically, it's not a fair fight. Some schools have more scholarship money than others, and here's how it's done. It's, it's based upon income. Uh, it's based upon whether you're a minority or not, um, and you can put money on top of that, you know, athletic money on top of that. It's ironic that the two schools that played for the national championship year this year both are institutional aid schools, and they have a lot of it. It's, it's basically old institutions that have a gigantic – you know, everything's in doubt. Everything's taken care of. They have a gigantic flush fund. And, you know, it, it's it's there for a reason. It's for a good reason, you know, to help kids that can't afford it. But they are playing that over to the athletic side, and that's not what the intention was. A lot of schools have picked up on it. A lot of schools are doing it now that but, weren't doing it in the past. And uh, it's going to come to a head because, you know, we all sit around watching games and talk and, um, somebody, we're, it's going to be a hot topic. Okay, so, it's, uh, so it's not right. That's the effect, but the cause of that is that there's only 11.7 scholarships. Am I right? I mean, exactly. If, if football was only half scholarships, then people would be using the institutional aid to get football guys on scholarship. So, exactly. So, so are we any closer to moving that number up? And I know that that. So, there's two things in play there. Well, obviously, money. But then you, you're creating a divide. You're creating more of a power five structure because some of the smaller schools that play baseball can't afford to get beyond 11.7 scholarships. I, I mean, that's, that's my why assumption. I don't think that'll ever change. Yeah. Because now you're talking about the whole group, you know, and there's a lot, a lot of schools, you know, mid-majors and such that you're right. There's no way they can, you know, afford more than 11.7. So I don't think that'll ever change. But they're just going to have to start, you know, making everything count, whether, you know, we give a kid – you know, he gets bright futures on his own. Well, that counts. You know, come up with a percentage, that counts as that. And that's what people said for years, all the bright futures, the bright futures and the Hope Scholarship in Georgia. And, you know, I forget, somebody's got another state's got, South Carolina's got something. But, um, you know, it, it's just been blown out of the water with what but, some of these schools are able to do. But the reality is, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong on this, this has been my assumption over the years, but I never flat out asked the question. I mean, the FSU baseball roster is predominantly kids from Florida. Now, there's a lot of great baseball players in Florida. But but to your point, if you're offering a kid 25% scholarship and Arkansas is offering him 25%, well, for him to go out of state, that's a bigger number he's got to fill in. If it, so you can you can have better success with in-state tuition, and, and you hope he's a bright futures kid. I mean, is that really what your model is, to focus on Florida yeah, kids? Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Because if I give a kid out-of-state tuition books and fees against my 11.7, it, it's like 56% somewhere in that ballpark. If I give a kid in-state tuition books and fees, it's 30% against my 11.7. You get more. You basically you know almost get two for one. So that's why most everybody – 
does what they can unless they're a private school because it doesn't matter then. Right. And the private schools just put it on institutional aid. So that's why they go all over. But we can't, you know, and most state schools can't. And well, and, and, and to say they have waivers, some states have waivers, which is wrong. You know, I, a kid in Thomasville counts as out of state for me. But in Arkansas, it doesn't. If you touch Arkansas, any bordering state, they get in-state tuition. And so it's really jacked up. And, um, again, it's coming to a head. Well, and, and to say it in a way maybe meet won't, <clears throat> you're competing with a kid <clears throat> that's looking at Vanderbilt. With all that institutional aid, they can go to Vanderbilt for free. You can give them 54 or 56%, and that's the best you can do. And exactly. That, yeah. And there's been time. I've never, I've never beaten I was sitting down there with a new hire Florida, one of their assistants. He said, yeah, Sully said the same thing the other day. He's never beaten Vandy when we've gone head up, and neither has Florida State because we can't compete with it, and they're going to end up, you know, basically being on a full ride while they have to pay money here. But it also is ironic, as I was listening to, you know, Coach Corbin and Backage on TV when we were in Fort Myers, and they're talking about how, you know, diversified they are and they want to look like America and everything else, and it's like, hang on, man, that's you know, what are we, all racist? No, we're trying to get the best players regardless of color and everything else. But you guys can get them because you have the institutional aid. And it's, you know, really, really frustrating. And then right after that, literally during dinner, I lose a kid uh, from Tampa, a right-handed pitcher, 15th round. He's like, you know, and he's not wealthy. And they're really, you know, poor. And the kid's like, Coach, I can pay $7,000. I can take $150,000. I got to go. I'm signing pro. But guess what? Those guys go to Vandy because they don't have to pay anything to go there or whatever school, and there's tons of them that have it. Note to self, next time you give an open-ended question to meet that might lead to a soapbox, be, be advised. Because you, you weren't yeah. kidding meet. We, we could do a full show on this. No, it's so frustrating. Guys. Yeah, no, I'm I sorry. understand. I, and, and y'all are getting about a third of it, too. There's a lot more. Well, it, and, and you're into the – well, it's into the weeds for the layman. It's not into the weeds for you. It's your business. Uh, related to institutional aid, I've always thought that baseball recruiting was the worst of any because of the draft, and you just don't know. I mean, yeah. you, you might think you've got all these kids, and then he has a great senior year, and the next thing you know, the Dodgers draft them eight rounds. Now, I know, you know, I don't think they take flyers as much as they used to given the slotting, but still, it's, I mean, there's a reason you look like you're 68, but you're in your 40s, right? Exactly. And I'm aging in dog years, for sure. Um, <laughs> Hey, there's a lot, you know, that goes into it. All right, we'll we'll wrap you up on this. This this is almost as important as my question about the best hot dog round. So I I did my best. I tied my son's hand behind his back as his right arm. So he throws left handed. So he's nice. got that future. But uh, just this year, and he's eight right now. Uh, he was advised uh, as he was at a camp that well you you can't play third short or second anymore that's not going to work for your future as a lefty you can't even really play catcher I mean but so I thought I'd ask the left-handed catcher I mean do I just need to stick him at first base or corner outfield can he still be a catcher what are my options just here put, put him anywhere in the outfield first base but make sure he gets on the mound okay. that's where the premium that's where they get the most money those are the most sought after most hard to find so make sure he pitches. All right, there you go. I'll pass that on to him. Meet, hey, uh, I appreciate a few minutes of your time. I know it's I know it's been crazy. Congratulations to you again. Uh, we'll catch up when uh, you know some more ducks are in a row. Uh, it occurs to me anything we should know about Reese Albert and his surgery is everything on track there. So just, we'll let you... just ran into him. Uh, okay. Everything went great. They anchored him down. It'll never pop out again. And uh, he said it feels great. You know, the fact that it's his non-throwing shoulder. We're probably looking at 
you know, three months rehab versus, you know, could have been eight, ten months. Excellent. Good stuff, Meat. Congrats, and uh, I'll see you around over there at the Fig for some honey fried chicken. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, guys, thanks. <laughs> Guess how much meat weight meat gains if he eats the honey fried chicken on Fridays at the Fig? Two ounces. Zero. Zero. <laughs> I think he actually loses weight. The rest of us gain it for him. All right. A uh, lot to react there. That See, that now that was – we need to develop that further. But But that is a point about – uh, how you recruit for baseball. And, I mean, just look at the FSU baseball roster. We're not getting kids from Georgia. It's not because he doesn't want them. He's got to split up his scholarships, and so you're going to get all Florida kids. It's, not, it's not coincidental. Yeah. <clears throat> Pardon me for my voice. It's not coincidental that the two teams that played for the national championship, if you went down their roster, a good 80 or 90% of their kids are on full scholarship equivalent. Right. Right. Okay. We'll take a break. Come back. Continue our Florida State conversation. This is Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Enjoyed that conversation with Mike Martin Jr. He's certainly candid, to say the least. Pardon me while I step off my soapbox. Yes, that was that was a good conversation, and uh, congrats again to him. We're going to go back to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Just keep that thing uh, busy today and say hello to uh, a Seminoles.com insider, Lane Hurt, who's a friend of the program, pinch hitting for Tim Linnefell. Lane, how are you? I'm great, Tom and Keith. Good to uh, hear from you guys. And, I mean, I don't know if I will have anything to be – quite as passionate about but i am i'm here and and ready to go well we kept the phraseology we said you're pinch hitting we didn't say you went in for the injured quarterback here's the here's the real question though do we know where tim is can we disclose that or is it just parts unknown because he's such a big timer he doesn't want everybody to know where he is if if we told you tom then we're afraid that fans of the show would just go flock where where he's at it would just cause all sorts of problems that's true he has quite quite a following it's better off to let that let that information stay a secret understand we'll we'll protect him uh hopefully he'll join us again at some point if he if he just hasn't gotten too big all right lane we started the show talking basketball and i know you know it's not been common that Florida State fans in Tallahassee are spending their summer talking about NBA Summer League basketball. But to the credit of Leonard Hamilton and his staff, uh, as as there's been an uptick in the in the caliber of player they're bringing in, I mean, it's been fun to watch Terrence Mann and Cabin Gailey. So tell the truth, Lane, as you watch Terrence's career, did, did you think sure bet NBA guy or fringe NBA guy or a guy who's going to play in Europe? What did you think? Watching his career and develop – the only thing that was missing from his game was an outside shot. I thought for sure he had the tools to latch on to an NBA roster, but I wasn't necessarily sure if his shot would develop enough to where he could be a a rotation guy from from the jump. But if you watch these summer league games and see what he's doing, he, he clearly looks like he belongs in the league. He does all the little things that teams love and if you just look at what he he did last night uh, one assist shy of a triple double he leads the summer league in rebounds as a guard i 
I think the Clippers and their fans, at least from the reactions I've seen on social media, are absolutely over the moon with with what Terrence Mann has has given them so far. Well, our our good friend Gene Deckerhoff said from his freshman year that he was a staff stat stuffer. He he does all those little things that that show up, and many that don't. That that the coaching staff, and more importantly, I think fellow players pay attention to. Yeah, it's it's gotten to the point where you watch him just as a rookie in these handful of games. You know, you don't want to get carried away or anything, but it's it's gotten to the point where you you'd believe even if he doesn't develop his shot too much, that he is he has the type of game where he's going to be in a rotation for an NBA team for for some years. And if he does develop that shot, then well, he, he can have himself a really fine career in the NBA. And I'm excited. As and I'm not an NBA guy per se, but with the Clippers raising their profile with Kawhi Leonard and, and Kevin Galey and Mann having a chance to be involved, and we'll see where they land and, and whether they're in the rotation and all that thing. Uh, just think about, and we'll get back to FSU here, if it's the Lakers and the Clippers that are the Western Conference finalists in the same building, I mean, that'll be a pretty fun two weeks. Oh, I, absolutely. No doubt that the NBA free agency has been a lot of fun, and it, it's been really exciting to think that both B and, and Terrence could have a, a chance to play on a team that has designs on, on winning the title. And like you said, having a staple Senators series in the playoffs, especially if there's the conference finals, I, I, that would just be an, an electric situation yeah. and, and unique to too, because I, it, would, it would be like, it would be like if the Jets or the Giants played a Super Bowl in the Meadowland. I mean, it's, it's something that you, you would, you, you, you almost never see. Well, now you're going crazy talk because the Jets ain't never <laughs> going to get there. <laughs> you're hey, probably right. Let, let's shift to an even bigger stage than NBA, and that was the Women's World Cup this past weekend. FSU, the defending national champs in soccer, uh, and and frankly has a plethora of, of women on the team every year that go represent their countries. How close was FSU or is FSU to having somebody on the U.S. national team? Well, they're – a lot closer than people realize because up until they announced the World Cup roster, Casey Short had been playing left back for them and had been a integral part of of the team's rotation with with Jill Ellis. Uh, she was unfortunately left off the squad this year, but I, she she had been in the in the plans of the team up up until that point, and certainly could be in the next Olympic cycle, and you know even potentially uh, you know four years from now as well. And the current star coming back, not American, but Dana Castellanos is as high a profile player uh, at her age as there is internationally. Um, and I know she's been – she was at the uh, the Men's World Cup last summer doing a lot of broadcasting work and that sort of thing, and same thing this go-round. What, what is her future other than bright in terms of competing on the global stage? On a global stage, I think it's uh, how well Venezuela – kind of develops some of the, the other players and supporting players around her. I think I mean, you saw that they they made the U20 World Cup and you saw you know some of the plays that she made in that tournament a couple of years ago, which means they have some young players in the pipeline. So I think it's as quickly as some of their young players develop. You know, if that happens, I think you'll see Venezuela have at least a shot to uh, to make a World Cup, which I think everyone would, would love because Dana is clearly a, a rising star in the sport. And you'd love to see her be able to show her, showcase her talents on that on that na- on that worldwide level, like like a World Cup, and not just you know in one of the domestic leagues. 
Well, I know that soccer was one of the highlights from last year, and I think you're you've either just posted to Seminoles.com or you're close to posting sort of the year in review video. So what else uh, stands out from the year that was for Florida State Athletics? Well, I'm going to tell you, Tom, I spent a good two and a half weeks on uh, on this video pouring through stuff from, from the whole year, and uh, it's quite the process. And I have to say, it's it's amazing how good Florida State is at every single sport, that there's something you can pull out from every sport, a great moment that happens with, with, with every team. I mean, obviously, soccer sticks out to me, not just the national championship, but some of the other moments I had. Dana's goal against Virginia Tech, where she put the Hokie defenders in the spin cycle, made it through, scored a goal. Kristen McFarland's game winner against Florida off of uh, some some poor goalkeeping from, from the Gators. Their, their win of the ACC championship game against UNC was, was a fantastic game. So they had so many great moments. I have to look back at uh, Terrence Mann's shot against Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament that you know is very Kawhi-like, I guess you could say, because that bounced on the rim several times before going in. Uh, there are just a lot of, lot of great memories, a lot of great things. Underrated for me was uh, our two cross-country teams at home qualifying for nationals. The women were kind of expecting to, but hadn't done it in several years. And the men just kind of used kind of the, the home fans and the, the, the home course to kind of pull a little bit of an upset and qualifying, just seeing kind of their reactions to to pulling that off. I mean, there's just so many unique and special moments from, from Florida State. And quite honestly, it happens pretty much every year. And it's a lot of fun to go back and uh, rewatch some of those. It was uh, good times, I guess we could say. And now we're in the slow times, but ACC Media Days – Next week, ACC kickoff. Uh, will you be there? You and Tim uh, piling I around together. Be, yep, I will be there. Tim will be there. Jamal will be there. There's some behind the scenes uh, video as well. So we'll be there for for all of the action, and we'll kind of bring you some of the the behind the scenes things that we see throughout the uh, the day. And uh, well, Tom, Tom and I are available for extensive interviews because I know you won't have any reason to talk to players or coaches. So we'll be happy to accommodate. <laughs> Yeah, no, we'll just let we'll let everyone ask, else ask those questions, and we'll we'll just sit down and uh, chat for a two and a half hours or so. What do you say? Hey, let me ask you this, Lane, and we'll let you get going on this. Where do you think Florida State will be ranked in the preseason poll? Picked in the preseason poll for the oh. they do it by division, and then they pick a champion. So we're just going to say that's that, a good question. I think Florida State will be picked third in the Atlantic, behind Clemson and Syracuse. That is my prediction. I think people are going to be high on what, off of what Syracuse and Dino Babers were able to do last year. And obviously right now Clemson is the class of the ACC and everybody's chasing the Tigers. So that that is my pick. I'm, I'm going to say that, that the that's, media that's probably will, good. will think Florida State will be third. That's probably a good pick. Did you see the FPI projections yesterday? It had FSU 10-2. and two. I did not. In fact, 10-2, uh, and two, I – I'll take it. Can can we sign up for that right I now? I need to go back there's and a, look. There's a train of thought going on in Matthew, the show I'm right now. making this up, right? I did see this. I didn't just hallucinate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was 10-2 yeah. and two with the losses to Clemson and Florida. Yeah, can we sign up for that? Is there a place that we can we've already go gone. We've already gone down that road. Yeah, we've already gone down that road. We've both signed up. Yeah, we'll, we'll okay, mine, mine was in blood. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, Lane. I mean, I, that's, that's incredible. I would, I, would, uh, I would take that in a heartbeat, you know. 
we'll see. That's the fun part about the off season is you I do. dream and prognosticate, see what you what you can think can happen. I, I mean, I'm aware of where the deficiencies are, but I do think we've gone from too much optimism before last season to too much pessimism before this season. There's still a lot of good football players wearing garnet and gold right now. And oh, 100%. Yeah. I, you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head. It's so easy when things are going well to kind of get caught up in the waves and the emotions of it, and it works the same way, the same the other way. You know, you have a disappointing season, and then you've kind of left with that taste in your mouth and all you can think of is the negatives. And, and you're right. There is an awful lot of good football players. I, I really do think Kendall Bryles has, has brought an energy and uh, and a lot of planning to the offense that maybe lacked last year that will help significantly on that side of the ball. And, yeah, defensively, if, if the guys who have come in and play as well as, as they showed they can in the spring, I think you can have a, a really solid unit there. I agree. We look forward to catching up next week, Lane. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. See you, Lane. Lane yeah. Hurt uh, filling those big shoes of Tim Linnefeld and doing so an admirable job. Pinch hitting. We didn't ask him what his walk-ups. We, we'll work on that walk-up song. We'll ask him that next week. We'll come back, wrap things up on Front Row Knowles. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back to wrap things up. Keith, what do you think to that question that uh, I asked of Lane in the last segment? Which one? The one about where Florida State will be. (laughs) I I think um, I'm not sure because of institutional credibility if the other than those that watch florida state closely would move them behind syracuse i i'm i won't be surprised if they uh, go clemson florida state and then syracuse i don't know it's been pretty bad the last i understand years. but just like you know the the institutional on the acc side is always going to have the tobacco roads and everything florida state still has some credibility with others that may look at this as a two-year anomaly. They still know about the athletes. They still know about the schedule that's played. Maybe I'm wishful thinking. I don't know. But anyway, they also your know about the coaching changes. Yeah, there's there's your answer. Is anybody other than Clemson going to be picked to win the conference? No. Like when that total comes out, it's going to be well. There may be. There always are one or two outliers. You know that pick Wake Forest because I'm the new beat writer for Wake Forest, and I got to tell everybody I picked them. But it, no. No. I'll tell you who's going to be picked to win the Coastal, though, is Virginia. I agree. Which And you're, you're I, on that bandwagon. Well, I just – And I don't mean that badly. It's not that Florida State can't win or doesn't have better athletes. I'm just pointing out that that's going to come out and Virginia's going to be picked to win the Coastal. I would think. Who else is going to get that honor? I, I, no one comes to my mind. No. Yeah. So – and that's week three for Florida State at Charlottesville. Yeah. I mean, I guess Miami folks would raise their hand and say, well, well pick me, pick me, pick me, but – they don't have a quarterback, do they? I, I uh, No, I think is the answer to that question. I also think that we've had the same Miami refrain for going on 18 or 20 years now. So, 
there's a wait and see approach involved there too. <laughs> if you're outside of that circle, if you know what I'm saying. I hear you. I want to go back to what Mike Martin Jr. said because we didn't talk about it with Lane. Uh, we certainly did uh, unintentionally stumble into a hot button issue. It it is unique, and so just to explain that further. So your 11.7 scholarships. I, I mentioned that you've got the cost involved. If you increase that, you've got the potential to to cut out. College baseball teams, 100 to 300 who can't afford it. You've also got a gender equity issue related. If you add 10 more scholarships to the men's side, you've got to find that on the women's side too. So it's it's not a uh, – it, it's more complex maybe than it appears at first glance. And, the, and a, the bulk of the money, as I understand it, you would know better, in places like Michigan and Vanderbilt is academic related. So it is – it's not kids that are, that are necessarily um, – borderline students as, as meat was pointing out these are kids that come from socioeconomic background where parent income or family income household income is such but they are good students so it's not like they're getting exceptions i mean we know about vanderbilt's uh, academics and, and as michigan as well but it is a dynamic that has to be addressed because you know let's look at florida they've won a national championship coach sullivan has been phenomenal the last 10 years they've beat florida state 100 in a row if he's going up against Vanderbilt and can't win, and Florida State's going up against Vanderbilt and can't win, there's an issue there. The exception he noted, and I didn't know this, uh, and I took him at his word, but any state that touches Arkansas, you get to count in-state tuition. That's the way they're doing their and, – and universities set their own rules on that. But just imagine, and in Florida's case, you're not going to be touching as many states – but if any kid from the state of Georgia could get in-state tuition to play baseball at FSU, that would and, – and Alabama, if you, you know, the other state that, F, that Florida touches, that would change things a little bit for how he recruits. Well, way back in the day, there was a mechanism where if you were out of, ta- out of state – we'll talk about football. If you were a freshman coming to Florida State from out of state – once you were here a certain period of time and that got yeah, documented, you were eligible to be in state. Those rules have changed uh, as well to the negative to Florida State athletics, if, if you put it in that context. Um, so, yeah, there's there's some uh, inequity there that is over time going to have to be addressed. I think personally, and I disagree with, with Meet in this regard, maybe. Obviously, he's smarter than I am when it comes to bas- uh, baseball. That 11.7 thing – uh, we're going to get to a power five and it's going to change. I, I, I just see that coming because I believe that football is going to detach at some point and they're going to bring basketball and baseball potentially with them. We'll see. That may be five, ten years down the road. Just open up a small topic right as we're over our time. So put that – make a note. We'll Matthew, that add to the, the list. All right. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you next week from Charlotte and ACC kickoff. Have a great week, everybody. Oh, yeah.